Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Broken Shovel Homesteading for a Sustainable Future. I am Lucas, and joined as always by my friend and co-host... Eric! Yes, that is Eric. Uh, and today we're talking about birds. We're deep into winter, we thought we'd talk about something pretty and uh, summery and springy and fally and a little bit... And wintry, because you get a lot of finches and sparrows at your feeders in the winter. Yes, that is true. I just I wanted to say words, Eric. Oh, yes. uh, <laughs> so should we define a bird for people? I don't know that that's entirely necessary. Um, well, I mean, I mean, we both subscribe to the whole the the birds aren't real conspiracy, except when it comes to uh, Vermont. The ours are real. Yes, ours so, are real. The rest are the, the ones in the cities, like the big the big fat fat city pigeons those no those aren't real not those are real. government those are government drones <laughs> well let's get started here eric you've got a lot of information about the uh, uh, uh species in vermont and yes sort of what's going on with them uh, individually yeah so we have uh there are 260 unique species found in vermont um, out of those species, 89 are considered rare and at risk. Rare being that they are they're very rarely seen, or they're only seen in like one spot, like the the black tern, which only nests in one spot, which is the the Missisquoi National Wildlife Refuge, which is also home to 200 of the 260 species in Vermont. Wow. Uh, so what is the diversification? Like, uh, do you have it broken down by like migratory or by, uh, I, I just kind of have a, just a, a like, well, cause we have a lot of ducks, te ducks, teals and gooses, uh, uh, cranes, osprey, um, and then non, the non migrating, we have sparrows, hawks, uh, finches, like we already said, pigeons, ravens, crows, uh, just lots of lots of different birds. Do you know how to tell the difference between a crow and a raven from a distance? No. How do you tell the difference? Uh, ravens travel in pairs. Oh. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of distinctions between the two of them with their call and uh, you know their beak and uh, oh, yep. uh, certain feather uh, shapes. But uh, if you just see some flying over and somebody says, "Oh, look at that crow." If it's one bird, it's probably, probably a, crow. a crow. If it's two, it's probably a raven. Exactly. Yeah. Quoth the Lucas. Never yes. <laughs> and yeah, like in the uh, the the Missisquoi National Wildlife Refuge refuge is huge because it is a it is a large tract of wetlands, which we've touched on this in in other episodes that. Wetlands have a huge amount of diversity and are so important to the ecological health of our region. And we, de and like in Vermont, we decimated the wetlands because we hunted the beavers to near extinction. And no beavers, no wetlands. And no right. wetlands means no diversity of species, etc. And I, I will get into more about that in another episode that we're going to be doing soon. <laughs> All right. Uh, and then as far as um, bird populations, uh, are, is there one over the other, like sort of that are not uh, uh, 
procreating as well, or yeah. So, uh, or I mean, we know the turkeys have been were more recently reintroduced, and they're they're everywhere. They're prolific. Yeah. They are they're they're crazy. But the uh, one of like the what we call the success stories of uh, conservation and efforts to restore species is things like the bald eagle, which was hunted to near extinction. There was maybe one or two breeding pairs in Vermont when conservation efforts started. There are now 119 breeding pairs in Vermont with the population booming. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I don't think I told you, but uh, a couple of weeks ago, we thought we saw one. Uh, there's a little waterfall up the road from my house. And, nice. Uh, we, we thought... We saw one out there, but it was kind of hard to identify. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, yeah, I was uh, like waterways. They so. love waterways because they are they are they are they're a fit. They are mainly fish eaters. Right. And yeah, like I was actually driving up eighty nine yesterday or the day before and saw one. Saw one. It was probably actually it was it was an adult and probably a juvenile because there was a it was a pair of them. Yeah, if you sit in the in the uh, Westland <coughs> Home Depot parking lot long enough, you'll see some. Uh, oh yeah, because there's the, really yeah there's nests in Queech because they're well they're the Queechy, uh what is it the um Vins the over in Queechy. Yeah, they've got they they do they have a number of nests set up for the breeding pairs and there's also there's a a hidden refuge that it's one of those it's only it's known by fishing game. And it's known by word of mouth by certain people, but there's an area somewhere in this in around here that is considered a spot that's like no, this is conserved land specifically for these bald eagles to breed. Oh, that's fantastic! Yes, and I'm not yeah, going to. They really are I, a success story. They really are. Yeah, and it's really close here in the upper upper valley. I don't. I know it's somewhere along the White River Valley. Just not 100% sure where, which I also wouldn't tell people where, because we don't want people going out and disturbing these spots. Yeah, absolutely, and they can be easily disturbed. Uh, yes, very easily disturbed. And then another one of the success stories is the loons. Because the loons were actually more, were, they were more, they were hunted, they were also more affected by the uh, le uh, lead in lures and uh, fishing weights. And the DDT gotcha. stuff, which we should, we're going to do a whole episode on DDT and the effect that had on the bird populations, among other things. Yeah. But yeah, in 83, right after uh, the DDTs were partially banned, there were, eight, there were only eight pairs of breeding looms in the state. And then today, there's 109. Yep. Wow. Yeah, so and looms have... have when did the, when did this conservation effort start on the loons? Uh, really started in ninety six ninety seven. Okay, well that's impressive. Still, yeah, that's, you'll, that's... a lot of the numbers you'll find that a lot of the reintroductions and stuff. Uh, it really started in the yeah in the early mid nineties is when major major strides were made in helping a lot of populations. Okay. Uh, any other success stories that we have out there? I mean, we have those. There's turkeys, but turkeys. Right, which we've talked about before, and they. Yeah. They, I mean, that is beyond 
uh, exponential growth uh, yeah. with those turkeys. Yeah, baby. No specific species, but the ospreys we're seeing more of. We're seeing more uh, waterfowls like ducks and teals. Um, but we're but it's it's due to the efforts of conserving more land, rebuilding these wetlands, creating habitats for these species to come back into. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, and uh, climate change is uh, giving us a lot of problems with that. Yes, uh, lots so. of problems. <laughs> um, yeah. So should we talk about that? Like, what's, yeah, we what's should definitely talk about that. Birds? Um, so I don't think we've ever talked about climate change on the show before. Maybe, you know, it's about time. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think people, people really, I think, I think we've, uh, <laughs> we've, we've prepared people enough that we can take the plunge. Okay. So, uh, one of the most significant impacts of climate change on birds is rising temperatures. Yep. Uh, the average, as the average temperature increases, some bird species are finding it difficult to find suitable nesting habitats. Mm -hmm. Uh, the black throated blue warbler, uh, which typically nests in cool, moist forests is now being found nesting in warmer, drier areas. And the shift in habitat could have a negative impact on the population of the black-throated blue warbler in Vermont. Um, yes, so I, I will actually find the website. I was looking at it this morning. It actually has a list of um, all the species in Vermont and how the temperature is going to affect like what species are going to be affected the most by the two, three, four degree rise in temperature. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we should link that in the episode description. Uh, absolutely, for people to look at and really get a yep. wider... Because there's, yeah, there's about 100 and something plus species, and it's broken down into, like, I think it was like four categories of high risk, low risk, medium risk, and some risk. And it had all the different species in, in, in each category that are, that are going to be affected by that. Oh, okay. Uh the other, one of the other contributing factors is uh, the change in precipitation patterns. Uh, it's leading to changes in precipitation patterns. Uh, we're seeing more frequent and severe storms. We talk about this all the time, as well as longer periods of drought. Uh, they, and so obviously this is gonna have a negative impact on bird population by reducing the availability of food and water. Like the, the loon, the common loon, uh, relies on fish as a food source is yep. being negatively impacted by the decline in fish population caused by climate change. Yep. So it's not, you know, it's it's uh, you know, there's secondary and and further effects from climate yep. change. That and they also like, yeah, they also like large bodies of water. Yes, yes, they do. Uh, and droughts prevalent in the Adirondacks. Um, yep. But obviously, but, uh, and droughts very much cause those like those lakes, tarns, and other bodies of water to drop rapidly, thus reducing their their hunting and habitat grounds. Yep, uh, I did see one on Lake Fairley when I was heading out that way. Uh, nice. Uh, recently, I, you know, just very distinct looking bird. Uh, yeah. But uh, so I was I was encouraged to see that, but um, I was a little surprised as well for how. Uh, popular that lake is yes uh, that is that tourism. is surprising with how yeah because there's a lot of there is a lot of water traffic on that lake yeah uh yes and speaking of humans invasive species 
I'm feeling funny today. Yes. Uh, climate change is also making it easier for invasive species to establish themselves in new areas. Invasive species can compete with native birds for food and habitat, and they can spread diseases that can harm bird populations. The emerald ash borer, and which we have talked about all the time, uh, it's an invasive insect that kills ash trees, is threatening the habitat of the red-headed woodpecker, the classic woodpecker, uh, which nests in dead or dying ash trees. Uh, you know, so it's, and again, if, if the tree is dead and there is no insects in the trees for the woodpeckers, they're gonna go look for stuff elsewhere, and if they can't find it, they're gonna die. Yeah, which is kind of ironic because they're going to have a minor boom in feeding because of the fact that they, they they can get the ash borers when they're feeding, but then once the tree dies, then the population potentially will decline. Anybody watching on YouTube, my dog will not stop entering and exiting the room, uh, so I'm getting up and down in a very hysterical manner. Yeah, and your, your dog looks like he's going through shell shock. Oh, that picture I sent you? Yeah. <laughs> He, we were putting his jacket on him, and he didn't get it all the way in, and I turned around without really paying attention. And, uh... Yeah, you know. look back, and he looked like... I mean, he looked like he'd seen some stuff in Nah, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think that picture is on my TikTok, if anybody wants to check that out. Uh, at Broken Shovel Farm. Um, habitat loss. Uh, deforestation, mm -hmm. logging, and, uh, it increased edge forest allowing predators easier hunting of birds like yep. this is this is all guns blazing for birds mm -hmm. you know this is a kind of a perfect storm for reducing populations and uh putting putting animals in danger yeah and like i we really should do a logging episode because there's like there's a lot of different philosophies in logging and i mean a lot of loggers will add, or all loggers will advocate for some sort of harvesting is required for a healthy forest, which I find is a crock of BS. Because, mm -hmm. no, a you don't get old growth forests by harvesting selectively from the forest. Right. Yeah. Well, and they're also, yeah, and they're not really doing, and they're not really doing selective cutting because they're basically. They're taking an acre and leaving one out of every every ten trees, if that. Yeah. Um, and there aren't people, and I'm going to do a little pat myself on the back thing, there aren't people who plant as many trees uh, like on purpose in, mm -hmm. on their properties. Um, you know, I have great pasture, but I'd rather fill it with trees. Yes. Um, and I know yeah. that, uh, <clears throat> you know, we're going to be ordering a bunch of trees this year. And I'm already trying to pick out my trees. Uh, so yeah, yeah I think that would be I think that would be good. We should talk about that soon. Uh, yes, we should. Forestry and reforestation. Yep. Yes, um, because yeah, it's it's huge, and it also goes back to our, our episode on on our no our lawns and trying to like increase the, your the habitat availability of your of just your lawn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, we obviously we know the things that we can do to bring bird populations back, reduce greenhouse emissions, 
protect the forests, plant native trees and shrubs, thank you very much, and uh, reduce our use of pesticides and herbicides, which, uh, again, going back to, uh, I wish I had the episode number in front of me, but lawns, the American dream, question mark, check it out. Uh, it's all about biodiversity, yep. and biodiversity uh, encourages growth of populations, Yep. Uh, something very necessary going forward in this planet. Yep. And Vision Game actually has a, they have a whole list of things that you can do from your lawn to your maintaining your forest in a manner that helps promote uh, bird diversity and species to nest there. So, de so definitely recommend if anybody's listening, go to Vermont Fishing Game for more information about all of this. They have PDFs, they have guides. It is a great source of information. Yeah, and uh, that app that you mentioned. Yes, the fishing game episode, app as well. Uh, the, to, to sort of, uh, and then the Merlin Bird ID is another great app uh, because not only does it help you identify birds, but they do, they record your sighting when it happened, your geolocation, and so forth. And this all goes to Cornell University uh, where they are studying bird populations. Um, so over the last 10 years, bird populations in Vermont have been declining. Uh, Badly. Yeah, a 25-year-long study by the Vermont Center of Eco Studies found that the overall bird population in the state has declined by 14.2%. Uh, found that 13 species of birds have declined significantly, while only 8 species have increased significantly. And we know, and I'm going to say it again, Habitat loss, climate change, invasive species, and diseases are yep. a big, big, big part of what is happening. And, yep. you know, we know <clears throat> how to fix this. <laughs> yep, so. and I mean, the big thing is, like, I, I keep coming, fighting, going back to is these these people that are putting houses up on the mountaintops. Is then they, they say, oh, well, we're not going to have a big impact. We're just going to do this one spot. It's like, well, no, because you drove... You drove a road through there, which breaks mm -hmm. up the forest. You also had to bring power lines in, which maybe that went along the road. Or maybe you did a whole set of lines specifically for that, which is another tract of land that you have now created that has been – is it divides the forest. Like, we don't think it divides the forest on these dirt roads, but it does. It, it, it basically creates a barrier for some critters that just – they cannot cross that. Yeah, and, and this, you know, this is something to think about in your lawn, too. So say you want to plant a hazelnut bush. You're going to want to plant it in the middle of a grassy area so that you can get at it before a squirrel does. Because a squirrel isn't going to always make that long distance where it's vulnerable to predators. Uh, and these are these gaps in the forest that are, are you know, we're talking about. Like, uh, you know, the split for power lines is miles to uh, small cre small creatures and you know I have a power line that runs through the center of my property uh, and uh, you know all winter I'll have a barred owl on it every single day waiting for little critters um, not you know and just swoop down get them and and have lunch so yep. uh, but yes uh, environmental impact of things uh, I want to talk about disease real quick in birds Yes. Uh, specifically West Nile, and then we'll move on uh, to. I've already lost track of what's left, but um, 
I'd have to go back but to the Google Doc. While you, while you figure that out, I'll run my mouth. So All right, run your mouth. virus is uh, really causing a lot of problems within uh, uh, the bird population. It, it's being found in crows, hermit thrushes, ruffed grouse, and jays. And then these animals will die and then opportunistic animals uh, like hawks, owls, and crows will then eat the dead bird that has died from West Nile virus and contract West Nile virus and continue the cycle on, uh, wiping out uh, the population. And one of the, the worst, uh, in a study from 2020, 16.7% uh, of, of sampled grouse in Addison, Caledonia, Chittenden, Essex and Windsor counties had West Nile virus, oh. and and this goes to invas invasive species too. Uh, something we've mentioned on previous episodes that mosquitoes are moving into areas where they have previously not been seen uh, it, it, by elevation. Uh, yep. You know, as things are warming, climates are becoming more amicable to mosquitoes and uh, spreading disease and viruses that way. Yay. Which thank, which also Bill Bill Gates is is putting a lot of money towards uh, helping helping resolve the the amount of disease that are carried by mosquitoes. Yes, he actually does quite a bit of very good work in that. Way. He does. Yes, I know a lot of people complain because he is still a billionaire, but at the same time, like no, he's very philanthropic with his money. More so, or he's philanthropic in a humanitarian manner, much more so than any of the other billionaires we have in this country or around the world. Yeah, and he really always kind of kicked ass in the uh, Reddit Secret Santa. Yes. Back when that was still a thing. Um, all right. What else are we talking about here? That was it. That was birds. Birds. Birds in Vermont. And this isn't to say that these aren't problems that are uh, global. Uh, you know, it's it's this is, you know, this is about Vermont, uh, yep. but this is this is a problem that is in every state in the country, every country on the planet. Uh, this is uh, a big, big problem. Birds are yep. very susceptible, uh, as well as fish, uh, which will come up at another time. Yes. Um, so uh, obviously, this is uh, a kind of a short episode. We kind of like to keep some of them that way for y'all. Um, but uh, if you have anything you'd like to say about birds, climate change, any of that stuff, uh, and, and knowing that we have fish and logging episodes coming up, uh, please reach out. Uh, join the conversation, brokenshovel802 at gmail.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, uh, as always, I'm going to shamelessly self-promote our website where we sell uh, beautiful handmade brooms, uh, brokenshovel802.com. Uh, Meg has been working on some brooms all morning. I've been making handles, and it's been a, been a very pleasant day, although it's cold and gross out. <laughs> all right. Thank you, everybody. Eric, thank you, and uh, we'll be back. Later.